Tonight, listeners, we have a very special performance for you. Coming over the airwaves, we have lovely composer Leonard Bernstein. Would you like to introduce yourself? I like men, and I like women a little bit. I don't know which one quite yet. <laughs> Last time I spoke to you, you sounded a little more New Yorkish and a little less Southern. What's Has anything happened since then? Camels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I get you mean cigarettes, but yeah, at first no, I just, yeah, just thought just animals. Yeah, camels. <laughs> I saw a camel once, and it changed my life. It scared me so bad, my voice dropped. That's <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, Welcome to Wham! Episode thirty-one. Uh, this week we watched Maestro. Um, mm-hmm. Did it win the awards or was it nominated? Uh, I mean, it's it's gone to the Golden Globes. It's gone to um, the the Governor's Ball. It's gone to BAFTA. It's gone to other stuff. I don't know if it's won much. It's more of a you got nominated kind of movie. Um, yeah. It's nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars. It's nominated for Best Original Screenplay. It's nominated for um, Best Picture. But Best Original Screenplay, really? Yeah, it's people are confused by that because it's a story of Leonard Bernstein. Or is it Bernstein? Um and- the uh, Bernstein Bears. Okay, Leonard Bernstein. Um, I'm glad that the Bears are how we know this. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's technically not based off a book, which means it's not adapted or any previous media, which I guess is the term, even if it is a biopic or a biopic. I'm going to say biopic for the rest did of he my just, life. Did he just like use some events from his life or just like guesstimate? It's it's a retelling of his life. It's just from, I believe, testimony, not from a uh, book. It's not from a biography or autobiography. Mm. So he that made my ass like Bongo. So he's like writing it down <laughs> furiously <laughs> with his notepad. Bongos. <laughs> okay, good. That's actually what inspired Steven Spielberg to buy the rights to his um to his life story. It was hearing about the ass bongos. I didn't know why Steven Spielberg was part of this. Oh well, okay, so. He had done work with uh, the the West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Um, he had done the remake. And during that, he had learned a little bit more about Leonard's life. Uh, he went to the family and he actually bought the rights to tell his story, but he didn't want to necessarily make that movie. He was in talks with Bradley Cooper and he said, I would love to do this. So he gave the whole project to Bradley Cooper and Steven Spielberg executively produced it. Um, mm-hmm. In my opinion, Bradley Cooper was a good actor in this i would have preferred at least in writing for it to have gone to someone else writing is definitely the weakest aspect of this yeah um, I, I i'd really agree I, I actually one thing i did think through the entire thing is that um he gave me a really like willy wonka kind of vibe he could totally be yes. willy wonka he oh my gosh i think bradley cooper would do great as willy wonka because at the beginning of this movie He's so full of life and excited, and I thought it. I, I legitimately thought, man, this movie seems a lot better than I've heard. Um, just because of that, and I loved how in the moment he was, and how just excited he was to get his first shot. And I was like, oh my gosh, that kind of reminds me of like what I hope to be, where if I get like a one shot chance at something, I'd finally like I'd be fucking all over the place. And then the rest of the movie happened, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be like this guy. <laughs> I really don't want to be like Leonard Bernstein. I, I don't. I, I want to avoid it. I really don't want to be an asshole during every Thanksgiving Day parade. That's fair. Uh, Snoopy <laughs> was in this movie a lot, though. 
<laughs> it was constantly referenced throughout this movie. They left him in the vestibule. It was horrible. Who did that? Who left? Who abandoned Snoopy in the vestibule? Who abandoned Snoopy? We just need a nice out of who left Snoopy there. It's <laughs> a great idea. Well, I think one thing that we definitely have to talk about first before we go into anything about the story here is like the first, I'll say what half of the movie is in all black and white. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, what I really thought was interesting is it seemed as if it was filmed in black and white better than Oppenheimer, at least when it came to lighting and uh, dynamic range and contrast, it seemed higher quality to me but that's mostly because they shot more scenes in the dark where you could really see some stronger contrast mm. where oppenheimer really only showed bright um situations so there was yeah. less contrast to be seen i think oppenheimer works um i think in in this movie we're using the black and white to more show the time period and the age and then mm -hmm. in oppenheimer i think we're using it purely as like just a flashback device yeah, flashback um, device and to separate viewpoints. Yeah, but I, I agree completely. I, I think this was the black and white and this felt more authentic to the black and white films that I have watched from the time period. Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer felt like it was just shot normally and then they just put a filter on it versus this felt like they walked into it knowing they wanted it to be like this. That's true. Um, it's weird how... Overall, how similar Maestro is to a lot of the biopics we got this year. Um, uh, what's What can we compare it to? We can compare it to Oppenheimer. We can compare it to Killers of the Flower Moon. We compare it to Napoleon. We've seen all of those. Mm -hmm. um, I think you could bring in the black and white aspect. There's obviously the idea of making a biopic about a musician. That's like the majority of biopics that get made uh, recently. Yeah, there's a lot of just yeah. whatever sex, drugs, and rock and roll people feel yeah. like musicians' lives are, so they want to see that. There's always that. This is sort of that, except not, um, I guess, not romanticized. This has the cheating and it has the drugs, but you never feel like, oh, hell yeah, dude. It's <laughs> Yeah, there's no point where He's going crazy, and you're like, "Oh, this is fun, though." But it's just like, oh, "Dude, what is he? What is he doing? What the kind yeah. of?" This movie seems very almost against Leonard, at least in the middle half. In the beginning, it's trying to get us to have this big connection with him, and it does very well. And then a large section or a large reason I didn't like the the middle is because, man, this guy sucks now. Yeah, there was never a point in the movie where I felt like the movie was like. This is the Leonard Bernstein, like flashing lights. Wah, wah. Uh, like there, it was just, he was a, the movie framed him as a normal guy throughout the movie that just yeah. this stuff was happening to. It was never, he was like the Leonard Bernstein with all this stuff happening. He was just a fucking guy. That's, that's fair. A lot of these biopics have to explain why is it that we care so much about this from a historical perspective, not just from an empathetic perspective. Um, Napoleon shows these wars like to specifically say he's that guy. Um, Oppenheimer has to display how important he is. And then mm -hmm. obviously in every other musical biopic, it's like we're going to show you a lot of this music. There's maybe two scenes in this um, where you can go like, OK, that's why he's famous. It's um, the rendition of Our Town in the black and white sequence. And then it's him conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. And that sort of is lost on me. It's very well done choreographically and um, 
and cinematographically fuck well you know whatever that yeah. is um mm-hmm. but it's the idea of a lot of his uh award trail has been bradley cooper saying yeah no i learned how to conduct for six years so i could uh conduct the real london symphony orchestra and i'm like that doesn't matter cool i guess yeah could have faked it yeah. i wouldn't have known <laughs> like uh uh kate blanchett in tar she i think that's kate blanchett um when she did tar last year she like took six months it's like yeah i can do this yeah we don't care how long it actually takes to make because i'm just watching a movie there's it's a fun fact it's interesting i guess but like that's it i'm not gonna be like oh this movie's great because he put more time into getting this part down yeah i i I wouldn't have known even if it wasn't like if he didn't conduct perfectly it would have been oh well he's not a conductor it's okay (laughs) and that's it that would have been the response (laughs) It, it doesn't matter that much um one thing I think I really – well, let me make sure I'm remembering right. Was the aspect ratio between black and white and color different? I, I had noticed that the aspect ratio Originally? was in 4-3 when it was in black and white, but I don't think I remember a change. Um, mm. It could I, have. I feel like it changed and then might have went back to 4-3 when it was in color still. Mm. Um. I could be insane, but um, either way, my point was that I think it kind of, it kind of showed how at the end of the movie, his like his emotions and everything, and his love for the art, like ends up kind of coming full circle when he's conducting, and it's like that one really long sequence of him conducting the song and the symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I think that's really interesting is that for a movie about a biopic about a musician, really sparse use of his actual music it was Mm -hmm. good when they did use it and it i mean it's leonard bernstein it's great but it was really there was a lot of moments where you just sat with the characters and i noticed it the most in those black and white sequences early in the beginning because there was one thing that when you know say we're having a conversation with person a and person b Person A is talking, and so we have the camera, but instead of staring at person A, we would be looking at person B's mm-hmm. face and just getting their reaction yeah. from everything that person A is saying. And it's not like the stuff is unimportant what they're saying. It was just a, an interesting way to show that, I guess. You see the reaction yeah. of the person versus the one that's telling this info. I just – I really enjoyed I think that that does happen quite often where the, the emphasis, the focal point is put on the person left out. Um that happens quite a lot where it's like there's someone we should be paying attention to, but it's so much more interesting to go into the other per- person's perspective and think what's like changing in their brain as they're hearing something. Um, I especially like when they do that with the wife whenever the, uh, it's um, wh- whenever it's Leonard and his little boy toy. Oh, in um, yeah, 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 on like the stage or wherever yes. the clarinet player. Uh, the clarinet player, that was really good. That was his original. But I also like when they went to a show that was showing off Leonard's music and it was him and his boyfriend with the wife sort of behind them. Mm. And you saw uh, them holding hands while she's just sort of stuck mm. there. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one sec. My parents are going on a walk, I guess. I don't. Um, <laughs> I got to edit that out. There you go. I'll see it later. Sorry. Okay. Um the the shot, the hand shot. Um the hand shot. 
uh, when they're watching a performance uh, with Leonard, his wife, and his boyfriend, and the Leonard and his boyfriend are holding hands, and the wife's like, "Well, fuck, this is my life now." Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the wife had a lot more strong acting moments throughout this movie. She was mm-hmm. definitely more of a main character to me personally through a lot of scenes i'm not gonna say the entire movie because Mm -hmm. she was absent at some points but when she was in a scene a lot of the attention was focused on her and her emotion Mm -hmm. and feeling for everything leonard was doing Um, that's really cool i like it i think that's been the trend with a lot of these biopics now especially as we show more um flawed characters that's what it was like for me in napoleon that's obviously what it was like in killers of the flower moon there seems to be this focus on we're going to show the nitty-gritty of this person and we're going to highlight its effect through their wife um is that a new trend has that been around for a while i mean i think we've always um you know explored like how like a family member or relationship is affected by some Mm -hmm. like events in a biopic but I think recently, like in the last five years or so, I guess, um, there's definitely been more emphasis on like, this is what how it's affecting this person, but how is it affecting mm-hmm. like the world around them too is yeah. a lot more in depth now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, speaking of family, I thought it was really weird how um, it, this movie focuses a lot more on the family aspect of his life than it does his actual work. Uh, and you can go that route, but I think if you're going to go the route of showing more family than you do what made him famous, you should maybe establish every one of his kids instead of just one. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> helps. Um, a lot of this movie, I felt like I was just kind of getting dragged along. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say there was exactly a strong, like story. I guess. I mean, there. I'll agree that like there's no central theme in this. Yeah, I thought there's no one narrative that like starts at the beginning and is concluded by the end. Besides that woman's life, I guess. But I, I do think you're right. Um, because like every other biopic that's come out has a purpose. Like mm-hmm. you can tell, like okay, this is the beginning of the story. This is the end of the story. But it's really just okay. Here's Leonard Bernstein, uh, first conducting. And then here's him almost dying. But it's like you barely gave us any conducting. So why is that what we focus on? Yeah, there was I mean, I think I said this earlier before we started recording here. Um, I was I walked away disappointed in this movie a lot. I wanted to know more about his career mm-hmm. and, you know, the the hardships and the troubles or like just the people he met or what he experienced through his career being a pianist mm-hmm. um, or a conductor or whatever. Um, conductor composer piano gay guy you know every sort of artist yeah you know the jack of all trades um (laughs) jack jack in all trades dude whoa 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 um but it's like i I don't know i feel like there wasn't a point to making this movie besides um just winning awards and Mm -hmm. that was something that was painfully obvious for me and like apparent just through the entire movie and it might have left like a bit of a sour taste in my mouth i guess um but yeah it just felt very like he was just trying to win awards and that was kind of it i i get that it definitely feels as if this was his challenge to be like this is what's going to get me the oscar i'm going to write i'm going to direct i'm going to star i'm going to do everything and by the end of it everyone will love me (laughs) um the the hardest thing about it is he left out a very important um he left out something really important and that's the why 
why are we doing this? Why do we care? Why? <laughs> What's the point? Legitimately, he should have focused either much more on the family and showing the whole family and making this sort of like an iron claw, or he should have made this about the performance and made it like a rocket man. And it didn't do either. So it's stuck in the middle in this like kind of weird gray area that I just really, the, the movie's enjoyable. It's very pretty and the shots yeah. are good. And the dialogue isn't like it's asinine. It's just not anything landmark. I, I yeah, writing is ve- I thought was very good at the moment, but now I'm having a hard time remembering it. That that's my problem. If I can't remember a lot of lines of dialogue or anything like that, then that's an issue. Yeah, I think it's a middle ground where that's okay or like good dialogue. But if you get into memorable, you're either really good or really bad. Yeah, exactly. That's really fair. But I, I think it's also a part where most of the best parts of this movie were through visual cues and acting. And I think this plays a lot into the fact that this was directed by an actor. So I think the biggest like performances in this aren't coming from dialogue. It's going from racial expression and movement and stuff like that. And I thought that was very interesting to think about because uh, that is a trend where if an actor becomes a director, they focus a lot on uh, visual cues. A great example of that is Ben Stiller. <laughs> in, in, in Tropic Thunder, it's it's a lot of facial comedy and how stupid they look. And I think that's because it's like, let's get silly with it, guys. Let's get, you know, let's get silly with it. Let's get Robert Downey Jr. and make him black. Let's get let's get funny with it. <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of quote unquote cultural appropriation. When this movie first came out with the original trailer, there was a huge controversy because they Bradley Cooper is wearing a prosthetically long nose this entire movie. Really? And people were like, is that – you already look a lot like him. Did you have to give him a giant nose so people knew he was Jewish? I mean, it worked. It, it looks seamless. Um, yeah, I didn't know. So I think the biggest cool. thing is this is the first time I've seen Bradley Cooper perform live. I've only seen him in like Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's not like I'm taken out by that. That's fair. Yeah, I, I didn't really notice that his nose was any bigger than normal. So it looked great. I think they did a great job. Yeah. And, you know, Steven Spielberg is like, I get a lot of people don't like that. But, you know, I'm Jewish and I say it's a okay. And you I'm know, like, he spent $50,000 on these prosthetic noses. We're going to use yeah. them. Yeah. I'm the one who sculpted it, and I say it's fine. <laughs> I like it, so it's going in. You know how many people were employed by that nose? And you want them gone? <laughs> Listen, buddy, if you want the entire population of Paraguay to go unemployed <laughs> right now, then you better put that nose right back on the table. <laughs> the entire population of Paraguay? <laughs> yeah, dude. They're all, they just make prosthetic noses there. It's a big export. Do they make the ones attached to glasses too, or is that a different place? No, no, no. That's chilly. <laughs> I knew it. I think makeup is very well done, especially as he gets older. He legit, like, he looks incredibly well done old. There's one thing I didn't like. He was constantly moist throughout this entire oh, yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. He was so sweaty. Covered in sweat. Constantly. There was never a point where he, if you like put a napkin on him, it wouldn't stick. Yeah. I mean, there's just like this old sweaty Jewish guy. You would have thought it was filmed in Miami. Can I say that? (laughs) Can we check with our team? Is that okay? (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I, I really can't think of too much more to say about this movie. Um, how do you feel about the like the overall cinematography, like the shot complexity mm-hmm. and all that? Cinematography was really well done when it wanted to be complex. And I was thinking when there were moving shots, you could feel that Spielberg um, connection just because of all the reframing and the sort of floatingness it happened, that happens with it. The best example is during the beginning of this movie where he goes from his um, first, like to from his house onto that staged first, first performance. The camera work felt really cool. But after that, it goes mostly static. There are some good shots in there. I just think that um, I'm a sucker for movement on screen. I would have loved to see more movement, especially when we did uh, the Our, Our Town um, bit. Uh, especially when he did his performance of the London Symphony Orchestra. It just seems like he left um, that only for large moments, but you can make any moment large with camera work, and it looks like you chose not to. I feel like they, a lot of this movie was just too normal of a life, I guess, almost. Like, mm. there was very few big... Um, uh, not necessarily cinematic, but just big events that really happened. I mean, even down to when he's conducting at the end of the movie, like it's it's great. And it's like you can hear the music and everything compared to the silence of the rest of the movie. But it's not framed in any like great, amazing, like this is it. He's doing it. Wow. Like it's just it's just he's conducting. And like the only time I can remember like latest in the movie was that scene with all the sailors and the girls dancing on stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest that that's the biggest like scene I can really think of through this movie. Yeah, I do think if anybody should get an award for this, it should be the wife. She did incredible, especially during the end. Really touching. Maya yeah. Hawk was in this movie. <laughs> she was the daughter. Sure. She didn't do much. Nope. She because they, didn't. Because they had the daughter there for like like very specific moments and they did almost nothing with the family besides the wife and i get why just because of the level of like i guess betrayal that happens between them mm-hmm. um I, I thought it was so funny when she's like yeah no so my gay husband's having affairs so i thought i would like try to see if i could have an affair and then the first guy i tried to have an affair with was also gay so i think i just have like a type for gay guys <laughs> It's unfortunate. And then she gets cancer. So And then she gets cancer and she has to remove a breast and then she still dies. And she did that very well. Um, and I that's where they have the longer shots where they show a mm-hmm. lot of um facial expression and s- moments of silence that mean a lot. It's very well done there because it's um because we understand the gravity of the situation more. Uh but during the middle, it just felt like okay, we're dragging. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. But I really got nothing else to say about this movie. If you're ready to rate it, yeah. Uh, before we rate it, I just want to note how we're so opinionated, uh, so opinionated on this movie, and we're able to understand the themes and how to like dis- deconstruct it that we didn't have to go to a timeline. No, we didn't, um, because there was nothing that would have happened to go on the timeline. <laughs> what the fuck would have happened? The movie started. He, he started conducted. He stopped conducting. He found a girl, and then he cheated on her, and then she died. Credits. Good. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, we'll put an expanded version um, in, in the – no, we won't in the description. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the log line. Um, Leonard, Leonard lives life. Mm. Mm. Real. Okay, yeah. Uh, if I were to rate this, which I already have, um, 
I'd give it about a three and a half where I think overall very fun or overall there are some lots of good stuff in it. I think the only thing is it should have been written better. It's like um, it's a cake with a horrible topping on it where if you just scrape that part off, you're like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is okay down here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's the cake you can never finish. The cake you could the cake that makes you old. <laughs> um I think I'm gonna have to give this movie a two. Um wow. I really I mean, like I said, the sh- there were pretty shots. Um and I think that woman did some great acting, but mm-hmm. the writing really wasn't anything special. There really didn't feel like any purpose or major change throughout the movie with Leonard, and I felt like I didn't get to see enough of his life and his career. Um, so I just kind of, I, I, I finished watching the movie feeling like I wanted just to know more about the guy. Cause I know fuck all besides what he put his dick in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to say it too. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay. Well, if you guys liked Maestro, then I think you're really going to like this ad break. Ooh, we cooked it up good. <laughs> Jamie rolled the clip. Here at Wham, we use this podcast as an artful avenue to blissfully and peacefully vent our fiery, unbridled rage buried deep, deep down. And now you can too. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. Record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you thought about podcasting before and you realize that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code WHAM and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. The headlines. Jamie, shut up, shut up. Okay, sorry, we're back. Um, I had to get him back in his cage. Um, but we the movie no bastard um anyway give him a rabies shot no no it keeps him on edge (laughs) (laughs) um uh tim burton is uh making another movie uh he hasn't been in his prime recently but he's coming out with beetlejuice 2 um and he's also apparently working on a remake of attack of the 50 foot woman Okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> this is this is how it progresses. We've <laughs> we've ran out of material from like the 80s and 90s. So we're going to be remaking stuff from the 50s, except when we do it with the 50s, now it's high art. It sucks. <laughs> um, I, I, it's really weird to adapt now, especially since we're in such a different time. Because, like, if you saw a fifty-foot woman, like in the nineteen fifties, you're thinking, "Holy shit! Holy shit! This woman shouldn't have any power. What's going on now?" No, now if you see a fifty-foot woman, you're just like, "Oh my god, she definitely plays basketball." Oh my god, step on me. <laughs> <laughs> we all have different views, you know. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait for that to be like a a revisionist girl boss thing. 
sort of like super woman like midsummer how like people are like so good for that girl for getting what she needed and she like killed all of her friends so happy for her 50 foot woman's just going to be like the girl boss of our time it's going to be the woman from monsters versus aliens actually monsters versus aliens was sort of a remake of that but the thing is they combined a lot of stuff and it was fun it was all from the 50s um silly bob was was there a bob was there a real life bob i mean because there's missing link and there's um there's mr cockroach which is just the fly i think it's just like the ooze right yeah um whatever that big moth thing no 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 what are we talking about It's, it's just the blob oh yeah there was the blob yeah oh yeah he's the blob oh he's yeah the blob. i wish they played more into the 50s feel of that movie i wish they made more <laughs> yeah what a good I, I, I did you ever watch the halloween specials they did those were fun <laughs> i did those were pretty funny actually yeah. there was the pumpkin one and then there was a carrot one yeah the carrot one was the one i remember yeah <laughs> But back to movie news. Yeah, back to movie news. Um, <laughs> oh, have you heard the news about Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Okay. Um, he, uh, right during the beginning of the COVID pandemic, a movie called Suddenly was being produced in Iceland. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was on it. But because of his erratic behavior, they cut production four days in and it just was never made. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. This is this is what uh he did according to this. He would strip down to his underwear and then dive into the ocean saying, When I see the sea, I swim in the sea. Yeah, that's so unhinged. You're right. <laughs> How can we deal with that? And then um This guy keeps swimming in the ocean. What a guy, fucking freak. What a, yeah, he kept uh requiring rewrites for the script because he just didn't want his character to say certain things. Um, every time he was in rehearsal, cause he was on a set with mostly French people, he would kept doing a Pepe Le Pew accent at them. <laughs> That's great. And this is the one that probably like, you know, broke the camel's back. Um, he, he demanded cause it was during COVID. He's like, guys, I need most of the crew to be sleeping in their cars so that we can stop spread. Because if we put you guys in hotel rooms, you guys can spread disease there. So if you guys slept in your cars, it'd probably be for the best. That's not that bad. But in in March, Iceland. That's their problem. (laughs) I don't know. Shouldn't be Pepe Le Pew then. (laughs) If you didn't want if you didn't want to be ridiculed, you shouldn't have brought the skunk. Oh, 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 your balls are freezing off. eh? Hey. (laughs) oh um speaking of biopics we have another one of those brand biopics coming up similar to like uh tetris air uh blackberry stuff like Mm -hmm. that but this one they're a blackberry movie uh yeah and it's it had a little bit of oscar hype because there was one good performance in it from glenn howerton that's neat but yeah. yeah Yeah, there's this great line where he's just yelling at everyone, and he just goes, I'm from Waterloo, where the vampires hang out. <laughs> the fuck? I want to watch that movie. Um, uh, but Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Gaffigan are making um, Unfrosted the Pop-Tart story. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's um, apparently it's a... Um, it's a joke regarding Jerry Seinfeld's newest um, 
comedy special, which, you know, is lost on everyone because nobody watched Jerry Seinfeld's new comedy special. No, no one watches Jerry Seinfeld anymore. No. Unless it's on Seinfeld. Yeah, he had Seinfeld and that was it. He was like the richest man in the world for a little bit. That's enough. Yeah, he was the richest comedian, but nobody like knows him outside of the show. And the real magic there was just Larry David. He owned that network for a while, though. TBS? Yeah, because all they had was Seinfeld. And so (laughs) then they made a deal, I think, where it was like he would get paid four times the amount or something because the channel was like so starved for content. They like needed to keep Seinfeld. That's how that's very similar to like the Breaking Bad Netflix deal where it's like you have to have this. Yeah, very much. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just supposed to be a joke about um, the the biopics that are coming out about brands. And I think that's fine. But at the same time, remember the last parody biopic that went on like the trends? That was um, the Weird Al, Yank- Weird Al Yankovic story. And that was... Oh, yeah. I saw that at Walmart. It was okay. The I thought mo- it looked interesting. I mean, it's Weird Al. That's yeah. more interesting than like Leonard Bernstein. It was, yeah, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun for the first 45 minutes. The bit just went on too long because mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a satire of all these. So they play into the tropes a little bit more. And then like it goes into like cartel stuff at the end. And I think. Daniel Radcliffe's Weird Al becomes the head of a cartel. It, I don't know. It's Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al Yankovic. No, I definitely want to watch it. He that was good so in the role. Um, He's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then um, what else? We have some. We have some news in casting. Uh, both of them equally important. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is going to be the star of Quentin Tar- Tarantino's last movie. The movie critic. Um, sorry, Brad movie, my ass. Yeah, he's he's not gonna stop at nine. 10 he movies. made that ten movie thing probably before he made Pulp Fiction and knew he could just coast for life. <laughs> what an idiot! It's it really stupid on his part for him to make the ten movie limit because what we have people like Martin Scorsese going like I know I'm gonna keep doing this before until I kick the bucket somebody's gonna yeah. have to finish a movie I died doing someone will have to drag me off set he <laughs> said <laughs> no ten can you imagine Martin Scorsese in like a retirement home no I can't There's... imagine how he he'd be just like criticizing Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> What's the dynamic here? <laughs> he would. That's the thing, though. <laughs> who's in control? I need to see who's in control. <laughs> I'm not getting it. I'm not feeling anything. <laughs> I love that ad he had with uh, what Kodak or some film, uh, some like film photo company, where he took pictures of his five-year-old's or his like grandson's um, birthday party. He's like, these shots suck. Where's the oh, antagonist? Yeah, he's just like, God, the contrast is all off. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's he's so comedic when he's on stage. Like it's incredible how much charisma he has for such an old guy. For such a little old man. If like it's funny how like Robert De Niro got stuck with all these shitty comedy movies where he does like fine when if it was Martin Scorsese doing it, the movie would be so much funnier. 
<laughs> but he's not an actor. He tried acting. Martin Scorsese is an actor. It'd be so funny. Yeah, imagine imagine Scorsese's bad grandpa. Imagine Scorsese's uncle grandpa. Good morning. <laughs> I'm your uncle and your grandpa. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what other news? Um, and then the other casting we have is out of retirement, Dr. Robotnik will be played once again by Jim Carrey. So you retired on Sonic 2 and came back for Sonic 3? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kirsten Ritter is also attached to this, uh, the girl from Breaking Bad and Jessica Jones. Um, yeah. But it's incredible how he went specifically on interview saying, unless it's like a gold-plated script handed to me by angels, I probably am not going to work again. And then he comes back for fucking Sonic 3. To be fair, the Sonic 3 logo is the same as the Sonic and Knuckles logo. Oh, I thought it was Sonic Adventures logo. No, it's Sonic and Knuckles. Okay. Because it's Sonic and like Sonic on top, Knuckles on the bottom. Like they're they're blurs. Okay. I think, I don't know. I think those movies have been very fun, at least from an outside perspective. I haven't seen them, but. I haven't seen them at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm not mad about it. That's fine. Yeah, I. I if it made three, then the other two must must be fine. So, <laughs> surely that's why they've made two Paw Patrol movies. That's why we have Spy Kids five, <laughs> because they're all good. Because they're all good, not just the first three. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Oh yeah, this is last bit. Um, last movie news, guys. Get excited. Um. <laughs> Megamind is coming out with a new show and a new movie. It looks so bad. It, it looks like <laughs> it looks like Paw Patrol. It's really bad, cheap animation. The animation's really cheap. Will Ferrell wasn't able to come back. Nobody came back. Um, no. It's. I mean, it looks about the same quality as those Kung Fu Panda Netflix shows. If you remember that. Mm, yeah, it does have a very Netflix animated TV show feel. It's, it looks like the Boss Baby show back in business. Oh, yeah. So why is this going to Peacock if like DreamWorks has such a deep tie with Netflix originals? Um, That's a really good question. Did but they Peacock, auction this one off? Maybe. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised okay. if no one wanted it. <laughs> um. Or maybe it was DreamWorks bought recently? I think that might be why. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, you or know maybe... there are over like 200 streaming services though? Yay. Fucked up. Yay. I'm, I'm hoping that Tubi, Pluto TV, and shit like that that's free comes in clutch soon and just gets a better catalog because I'm okay with just going back to ads. Yeah, I'm fine with just watching it with ads, but I don't want to download the eight different streaming services to watch like one movie that I want to watch every once in a while. Yeah. What I like, I think is easy is Amazon Fire Stick usually has the free ones instantly downloaded so that it's like they can say it's on Amazon Prime and then it'll be like, yeah, it's through Tubi on Prime. And it's like fucking, yeah, sure. I'm still watching the movie that you're lying to me, but yeah, whatever. I'm just a little upset about it, but I'll watch the movie, I guess. Speaking of DreamWorks, we have um, some continued work with um, How to Train Your Dragon live action. Cool. 
the director who was the same director as the first movie um, said, we're trying to make this adaptation different. We don't want to tell the same story. We want to make it how a book adapts a movie or how a, a movie adapts a book. And I think, you know, if I think if you're making an adaptation of something so recent, you should ch- take chances with it. Um, I think that and um, that I mean, How to Train Your Dragon, they were kids movies. We were kids. The demographic that watched those movies when they came out is now older. Um, yeah. And so Let's I think they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing to that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what they're doing with the Asher Avatar the Last Airbender. Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> now I wish you were toothless. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um yeah what um some some stuff is sort of similar with the uh with the avatar the last airbender show on netflix they're talking about how they're making it pretty different i think one thing that people aren't liking is how they're saying we're not gonna have any sexism in this show that because there was so much sexism in the original and people rightfully are going hey avatar had sexism to teach you to not be sexist it was about a little Avatar kid. Had sexism and then an entire TV show around the female character doing cool shit. Yeah. The, it, sexism is built into this world to sort of like show oppression. If you're yeah, taking it like, out, hey, when you take it out, you're saying that sexism isn't a problem we should address. I really hate the um, – I mean it's understandable for like big businesses, but the attitude of like just playing it safe and not touching any subjects like that, really yeah. annoying. Really if they do, it's really canned because they don't want to get any hot water. Yeah, I I think that's fair. It I wish that there were more movies that could take a very nuanced perspective on this stuff and like take chances. American fiction took a very big chance um with the movie it had because it specifically was seeking to be like, hey, we need to like take a good look at what um like black stories are and make it more uh diverse to talk about like every aspect. And it went really well, and people loved that movie because it took a huge chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a uh, what other uh? Because this is a uh, best picture nomination. What other Oscar movies are you wanting to watch? Because we've seen Killers of the Flower Moon, we've seen Oppenheimer individually. We saw Barbie. Yeah. Um. I mean. The holdovers eventually. Yeah. But I can't really remember the other nominees. I wasn't interested in poor things really. Yeah. There's uh the zone of interest, which is the the Nazi one. Oh yeah, that was that was the one I was interested in. You were telling me about. Yeah. It it seems like it's I've heard it's devastating. I've heard the sound design is really good and nobody fucking says that, so they have to have done something. Yeah, it's gotta be really cool then. Um what else? What else? What else? Nazis were known for great sound design. <laughs> That's not true. Have you ever heard Hitler's speeches? Okay, pal, shit... who do you think started Sennheiser? Huh? I don't know. I'm just pulling, making shit up. <laughs> I thought you said Zencaster for a second. I was like, dude. I said Sennheiser. <laughs> I was like, fuck, don't say Bro, that. <laughs> calm down. Um, yeah. Uh, there's... Uh, there's uh let me say it like I'm doing the uh the fucking who are they? The Animaniacs singing the world song. There's Holdovers, Oppenheimer, 
Killers of the Flower Moon. Poor things. That's not Barbie in Zone of Interest in American Fiction. That was good. Um, Do you rehearse? Never. Wow. All natural. I totally forgot the rest of them. Oh, there's Anatomy of a Fall. Mm. That's the that's the half English, half French one, which is a uh, a courtroom drama about a woman who maybe kicked uh, her husband off a roof, and the only other witness or partial witness is her deaf son. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it was it was okay. There, uh, it was just not as compelling as people have led it to be. It definitely didn't deserve best screenplay at Golden Globes. I thought. Sounds like a uh, neat um, idea, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's a French movie. Yeah, that's it. But is that all the news we got? Yes. Amazing. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, we hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you for Zencaster for supporting Wham. Um, this has been Wham. And you've been Wham. All right, well, see you guys later. Bye. Should we have the send off of like a Leonard Bernstein song? No. <laughs>